Welcome to Lobo Gao. Lobo Gao is an English learning podcast where we read classic stories, tackle tough vocabulary, and review on Quizlet. I'm your host, Robert Lobotua, and this week we are reading The Boy Who Snared the Sun from Legends of the North American Indians. My information on these stories comes from librarypoint.org. Uh, there are many words in English to name the original people of America. You might hear people say Native American or Indian, American Indian, First Nations, Native people, Indigenous Americans. And this can be confusing, especially for someone learning these names for the first time. Uh, these terms are all more or less equivalent with the Chinese Yuan Zhu Ming. If you are lucky enough to meet one of these incredible people, ask them what name they prefer. They might prefer the name of the specific tribe. In Taiwan, it's important to recognize Yuan Zhu Ming by tribal names like Taroko and Paiwan. Likewise, it is important to recognize indigenous Americans by tribal names like Cherokee, Navajo, or Cheyenne. LibraryPoint.org website has a huge collection of Native American folk tales and has divided the hundreds of different tribes into groups according to where they lived. The Eastern Woodlands, the Great Plains, the Southwest, the Northwest Coast, and the Arctic region. I have put the link in the episode description. The first story, The Boy Who Snared the Sun, comes from the Ojibwe tribe. The word Ojibwe means original men. You might also hear the European pronunciation Chippewa. The Ojibwe live in the northeast of America near Lake Superior. The language of Ojibwe is still very much alive, and there is even an Ojibwe program at the University of Minnesota. Now, here's The Boy Who Snared the Sun. At the time when the animals reigned on the earth, they had killed all but a girl and her little brother, and these two were living in fear and seclusion. The boy was a perfect pygmy, never growing beyond the stature of a small infant, but the girl increased with her years, so that the labor of providing food and lodging devolved wholly on her. She went out daily to get wood for their lodge fire and took her brother with her so that no accident might happen to him for he was too little to leave alone. A big bird might have flown away with him. She made him a bow and arrows, and said to him one winter day, I will leave you behind where I have been chopping. You must hide yourself, and you will not see the Gitchigitchigan, Iseug, or snowbirds. Come and pick the worms out of the wood where I have been chopping. Shoot one of them and bring it home. He obeyed her and tried his best to kill one, but came home unsuccessful. She told him he must not despair, but try again the next day. She accordingly left him at the place where she got wood and returned home. Towards nightfall she heard his footsteps on the snow, and he came in exultingly and threw down one of the birds he had killed. My sister, said he, I wish you to skin it and stretch the skin, and when I have killed more, I will have a coat made out of them. What shall we do with the body? asked she, for as yet men had not begun to eat animal food, but lived on vegetables alone. Cut it in two, he answered, and season our pottage with one half of it at a time. She did so. The boy continued his efforts and succeeded in killing ten birds, out of the skins of which his sister made him a little coat. Sister, he said one day, are we all alone in the world? Is there nobody else living? His sister told him that two alone remained. 
that the beings who had killed all their relations lived in a certain quarter, and that he must by no means go in that direction. This only served to inflame his curiosity and raise his ambition, and he soon after took his bow and arrows and went to seek the beings of whom his sister had told him. After walking a long time and meeting nothing, he became tired and lay down on a knoll where the sun had melted the snow. He fell fast asleep, and while sleeping the sun beat so upon him that it singed and drew up his birdskin coat, so that when he awoke and stretched himself, he felt bound in it. He looked down and saw the damage done, and then he flew into a passion, upbraided the sun, and vowed vengeance against it. Do not think you are too high, said he. I shall revenge myself. On coming home, he related his disaster to his sister and lamented bitterly the spoiling of his coat. He would not eat. He lay down as one that fasts and did not stir or move his position for ten days though his sister did all she could to arouse him. At the end of ten days, he turned over and then lay ten days on the other side. Then he got up and told his sister to make him a snare, for he meant to catch the sun. At first, she said she had nothing, but finally she remembered a little piece of dried deer sinew that her father had left, and this she soon made into a string suitable for a noose. The moment, however, she showed it to her brother, he told her it would not do, and bade her get something else. She said she had nothing, nothing at all. At last, she thought of her hair, and pulling some of it out made a string. Her brother again said it would not answer, and bade her, pettishly and with authority, make him a noose. She replied that there was nothing to make it of, and went out of the lodge. When she was all alone, she said, Now obewe in a pen. Meanwhile, her brother awaited her. Meanwhile, her brother awaited her, and it was not long before she reappeared with some tiny cord. The moment he saw it, he was delighted. This will do, he cried, and he put the cord to his mouth and began pulling it through his lips, and as fast as he drew, it changed to a red metal cord of prodigious length which he wound around his body and shoulders. He then prepared himself and set out a little after midnight that he might catch the sun before it rose. He fixed his snare on a spot just where he thought the sun would appear, and sure enough, he caught it, so that it was held fast in the cord and could not rise. The animals who ruled the earth were immediately put into a great commotion. They had no light. They called a council to debate the matter and to appoint someone to go and cut the cord. A very hazardous enterprise, for who dare go so near to the sun as would be necessary? The Dormouse, however, undertook the task. At that time, the Dormouse was the largest animal in the world. When it stood up, it looked like a mountain. It set out upon its mission, and when it got to the place where the sun lay snared, its back began to smoke and burn. So intense was the heat, and the top of its carcass was reduced to enormous heaps of ashes. It succeeded, however, in cutting the cord with its teeth and freed the sun, but was reduced to a very small size, and has remained so ever since. Men call it the Kugeben Guaka. Kugeben Guaka. Men call it the Kugeben Guaka.
That's it for today. Come back next episode for The Sun and the Moon. Lobo Gao is an English learning story podcast. My name is Lobo Te. Episode 11 comes out next Friday. Want more Lobo Gao? Please follow on Spotify and don't forget to review your vocabulary on Quizlet. Links are in the episode description. If you have any questions, please email me at Robert's English Podcast. That's R O B E R T S English Podcast.com.